people can tell when you're not real. If you're scripted, if you're fake, if you're, you know, robotic, they can see that, they can tell. So you just, you just learn to be real. And the only way to do it is to do, to actually go on dates, taking risks, being vulnerable, opening your heart up, you know, and just practicing that. Hey, welcome to Friendship Futurism. This is the podcast where we talk about friendships in the 22nd century. I'm your host, Bill May. Today, I'm chatting with Marcella Owen. She's a professional matchmaker and dating coach at Talkify.com. In this episode, you'll learn the most common mistakes people make while on a date, when to decide to lower your standards, and whether a matchmaker's job is more like a data scientist or a therapist. Okay, Marcella, thank you for chatting with me today on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm really curious about matchmaking. Do attractive people have an easier time dating than ugly people? That's such a good question, Bill. You know, looks are subjective. So saying yes to that wouldn't be an accurate answer because beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So Someone may find someone attractive and think they're amazing, right? And then another person doesn't. So it's really subjective. So I'm going to have to say not necessarily because there's someone for everybody. That's kind of my motto. And as we exercise our, our dating muscle and we date and we look for really what's important, you know, and with everything that's going on in the world, people are becoming more intentional about what they want in their dating life and relationships. And sometimes they opt to look at their heart and what their values are, not so much the looks, right? But again, it's totally subjective because you may find someone amazingly looking and the the next person doesn't and is telling you, what were you thinking? (laughs) I like that your answer is very diplomatic, but I also wonder, I mean, there is such a thing as someone being objectively more attractive. I know that there's like, you know, maybe not everyone will find everyone attractive, but just on a kind of statistical basis, right? Maybe you have a larger proportion of people who are more likely to be attracted to you if you have this objective, ethereal thing called attractiveness. Sure. If you're just looking at at looks, of course, right? You have your, your basic, the basic look that most people will find attractive. But is that really what you want? If that's really what you want, perhaps, right? But it just well, well, my question is, do people who maybe have the look that is most wanted by other people, like, do they have an easier time dating or do they have a harder time? Or like, how does that work? See, that's a good question too, because it may appear at a glance that it would be easier, but then they also have their set of expectations, right? We may find someone right away. We may not, depending on you know what they find attractive and what they're looking for. So it may initially think, oh yeah, of course, they're so good looking. Of course, it's easy, but not always, <laughs> right? Because sometimes really good looking people may already be in a relationship or may not look for what they think they want based on looks because they've had a bad experience in the past. So I'm not trying to find, you know, be diplomatic. I'm just saying that's what I hear. That's what I see. Right. But you always have that 
portion of people or percentage of people that yes, they looks are the most important thing and that's what what they go by. And yes, you can match two beautiful looking people and and that's great, right? But that's not always the case. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so for the rest of us who are all very ugly, uh, what can we do? <laughs> well, like I said, uh, I think there's someone for everybody. And uh, what we do at Tacofy is look at what's important to you. What are your core values in relationship? What are your priorities, your preferences, your lifestyles, what are your lifestyle preferences, uh, values? What do you like to do, right? Because sometimes it's just about finding that commonality and that alignment, and that's enough place to start. And it also depends on your history in dating. Because if you've been on 100 dates, then you may want to fine-tune what you're looking for. But if you've been on one on, or two, then you might stick to your, you know, your list of things that you want. But in the real world, right, we can't create people. It's not like build a bear type <laughs> scenario, right? It's people that are already out in the world and some will be available, some will not. And even if they are available and they're, you know, great, it seems like they're aligned. When you meet, there may not be a connection, right? And I always say, you know, connection is really funny because you can't really determine that in, on one date, is my opinion. You need at least two, three, four, five dates to figure out, is there truly connection? Is there truly chemistry? Because that's built over time. It's, it doesn't just happen out of the blue, right? I don't know if you agree with that, but that's what I've seen. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you walk us through your process for like how you look for matches? Absolutely. So when I first uh, have a client assigned to me, I meet with that person and I find out everything about them. <laughs> their history and relationships, what they're looking for. And I get very specific about alignment and lifestyle. So it could be from, you know, something as general as politics to are you allergic to cats, right? Because if you are, uh, and that's a deal breaker, then there's no point in setting you up with someone who has a one-year-old cat that's going to live 20 years, right? So first I find out what the client's looking for and once I have that, then we have an extensive database where it's matched by priorities and preferences. So I look at that first to see what matches are available. And then I'm technically a human swiper. So I'm looking at pictures, I'm reading profiles to find commonality. And when I do, when I find someone that I feel, okay, this person may be a really good match, then I request to chat, chat with them. So we call them screening or interviewing. And so I interview every single match that goes out with any of my clients. And that's a video chat. And on top of that, we also do background checks. So that safety component, it's a little bit of a differentiator with the app world, right? And then also just meeting the person and ensuring that, because this is what I hear a lot from the apps. And you tell me if, if you hear this too, that the picture looks very different from when they meet the person, right? So I ensure that that's a current picture that they look like what their picture is describing, right? And so if I feel it, it is a match, then uh, we curate all the dates. So we, depending on what the client wants, like, I don't know if you like to do an activity we've done from, you know, the Getty Museum to uh, axe throwing to a walk to coffee to a meal. So you know, anything that someone feels comfortable with. And so we set up the date, 
we send all the information out that is uh, pertinent to the date because we keep everything confidential and it's blind dating. So it's confidential blind dating. So nothing is revealed. So I know the apps have their own system that you communicate with, but this is, we're not going to reveal phone numbers, email addresses, last names, everything is very confidential until the two people meet. And then uh, if they choose to exchange names and last names and whatever else, that's great. The other great differentiator is that we give feedback about the date. So if you've gone on the app and you went on a date, then you never know what that person thought of the date of you, right? So in our platform, we get feedback. So then we can communicate that to each party. And if it's a match, we'll exchange phone numbers. And if it's not, everybody goes on their way and personal information is not exchanged. Uh, and then the other piece that I really enjoy because I Talkify is really transitioning, not, not to be just a matchmaking company, but more of a relationship wellness company. Uh, so coaching is part of what I do at Talkify as well. And because I have that background, I'm able to coach my matchmaking clients as well. So if they are having anxiety or some doubt or they have questions, then I can work with them on that front as well. And that kind of describes like the whole process. Yeah, it's a very uh, high touch process. It's really interesting that you get the feedback too. Does everyone always share feedback or like, because it can be really awkward to send feedback. Right. <laughs> I would say 95% of the time they do. Oh, wow. If they don't, I reach out and then our client success team reaches out and we emphasize the importance of, you know, we really want to know what you were thinking and tell us what you thought, right? So it's been very successful to get feedback. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, I do a, like a, a feedback summary and this is kind of my rule of thumb and we have many matchmakers and we all work a little bit differently on this front, but if the feedback is something that can be changed or enhanced or, um, you know, switched in some way, then I'll mention it to each party if they're open. And if they say, yeah, I want to, I want to hear feedback. Sometimes they say, no, I don't want to hear it. They said, no, I don't care. Right. But if they say yes, okay. So if it's something like, uh, let's say they were on the phone the, the whole time they were on a date with me and that's a turn off. Then I can mention that because that's something you can change. Leave your phone in the car, right? But if it's something like, well, I'm just not attracted to people with blue eyes, then they can't change that. So I just, is, there's no point, right? So I'll just say that there wasn't a connection and that that just didn't work out, right? But if there's an opportunity for growth or you know something that you can change for your next date, then why not share it if they're open? So that way you grow and you can, you know, make your dating experience better. Yeah, super interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about the kind of process that you go through to set people up. What do you do to like match people together that would be different from how most people think about it? Well, for one, pictures are not shared. So that is very different. And the other component is really fine-tuning on your priorities and your preferences and really thinking about what's really important. What is your core value in or values in a relationship? So let's say, uh, are you spiritual? Does that person need to be spiritual or are you okay with an atheist, right? 
which could also be spiritual, but in a different way. What else is important? Do you want to have fun? Are you a, a backpacker traveler or are you a five-star hotel traveler, right? So those are all- Is there anyone who doesn't want to have fun? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? I come across people that are homebodies sometimes. Oh, that's fair, yeah. they're not that excited about going out all the time or maybe traveling. Most people you think, oh yeah, they love to travel. Well, I've come across people that don't, that they just don't want to travel. They just want to stick around and maybe go you know, to the beach or whatever in the area, but not really do international travel or things like that, right? Uh, so it's really important to fine tune on those things. And I don't know how much an app can do that because there's that personal touch of, of a person or someone that is your advocate in the process, right? So asking those specific questions on core values, I think is super important. The pictures, you know, like I said, vetting the person because let's say a profile says, oh, I'm, um, I'm super neat and I like to laugh. And then when I get on the phone with them, their background is a mess, <laughs> right? And they are not engaged. They don't laugh at all. They don't smile at all. Then that tells me the type of person that they are, at least how they're showing up. I can't say that's how they are, period, right? But um, sense of humor seems to be something that a lot of people want. And literally, I had people just make me laugh so hard in the span of like half an hour because they're funny people, right? And they are, they're engaged and they know how to talk to people. So those are pieces that you can't really uncover on an app, right? Unless you go on the date. And, and see how that goes, right? Um, yeah, and then another sure. component is just cre doing the, the creative dates and uh, having that opportunity. Because I hear a lot of the apps, the typical date is just having coffee or maybe doing a FaceTime or maybe doing a Zoom, right? In our platform, it's more of an activity date or a meal, like a lunch, a nice dinner. Yes, maybe a walk, but things like that. So it's a little bit different in that, that way as well. It feels like for that to work effectively, everyone needs to have a strong understanding of kind of their own personalities and their likes and dislikes. Do you find that there is often like, uh, you know, people say they, or, or not even they say they want something, but like they think they might want something, but it turns out actually they want something else. And how can we consciously avoid doing that? Or like, you know, try to uncover our own blind spots when it comes to that? All the time, Bill, all the time. So I'll talk to a client and they say, okay, I want a guy that's 6'2". He has to have this, 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 and this, right? Then I remind them that, listen, 14% of the population is six foot and taller, and that includes unavailable men. So are you sure, right? And once we start uncovering the reasons why and what really is important to them, right, then they start being more open. So I, I'll say, you know what? I found someone fantastic. They love to travel like you do. They love dogs like you do. They lean left like you want, right? But guess what? They're 5'10". But I'm going to encourage you to give him a chance or her and go on this date and try to be open-minded, keep that curiosity going. And if anything, because this is what the experts say when you go on a date, a blind date especially, or any first date, practice being yourself. Whether it's a connection or not, you're practicing to being yourself on a date. And then 
you're getting closer to that person because you know how they say in say I mean I hate to put it this way but you know how they say in sales for every nine no's that the tenth is a yes kind of the same with dating right like the more you date and the more you practice being your best self the sooner you're going to get to that special person right so a lot of the time they will go out let's say I have a lot of women clients in their this is outside of your demographic, but 50s and 60s, right? Who came out of, let's say, a 30-year divorce, right? And they're used to dating a hot guy that they dated in their 20s, but now things have changed, right? So they'll say, oh, I don't want to date anybody if they don't have hair. Okay, well, I have this guy who's a baldy, but he's amazing. Try it, you know? And a lot of the time they say, wow, so glad you made me, not made me go on the date, but gave me the option to go, <laughs> make yeah. anyone do anything. Uh, and they have a great time, you know? So there's a lot of ways of looking at it. And every single person's different. We all come with our, you know, preconceived notions and expectations, right? But it's really a learning experience. It's a growing journey for everyone. It's really interesting also, I think, because uh, the way that online dating works, it's almost like online shopping for a partner. Right. Like you like kind of pull up in the sidebar and you like specify kind of your dimensions, the color they come in and like the, you know, all the the shipping speed and like everything. And so it kind of forces you into this frame of mind of like, oh, like I kind of have all these criteria that, uh, you know, to your point, right, like aren't the most important things and the things that actually do matter kind of, you know, you can't really search or filter for. Exactly. And another question is, how has that worked for you so far when you really attach yourself to these expectations? Well, you've been single for a couple of years. Maybe it's time to look at, okay, what are you looking at? What's important? How, how have you grown through this process, right? Be more open-minded. Would you characterize your job as a professional standards lowerer? <laughs> um, not necessarily. I would <laughs> okay. <laughs> a professional, let's open your eyes and see what the opportunities are, right? right? Yeah. And uh, a pusher of growth mindset. That's what I would yeah. say. Okay. I like that a lot better. <laughs> You're very funny though. <laughs> are there any specific archetypes of people who maybe can cluster together or, uh, yeah, like personas or archetypes that yeah, you feel like are a good fit? Um, probably... In the older demographic, where people have lived and had experience and they are looking at a different type of connection, because I, I feel like in my experience with the younger demographic, when I say younger, I mean 20s, 30s, right? Maybe mid 40s. There is a, more of a focus on looks where the older demographic, most of the people that I come across are looking for companionship, uh, what they like to do specifically, and they're not so focused on look, on looks necessarily. So I would say that that is what they have in, in common of what they're looking for, mm. right? Versus the younger demographic, for sure. Yeah, that's a great point. I guess those would be kind of two clusters, you know, kind of people who are more older and people who are more younger. Exactly. Yeah. Because in the younger demographic, for those who are looking for someone to be married to, 
right? And they haven't been married before. They really want, they have high standards, right? They want that amazing person and they don't want to lower their standards. They want to find that person because they haven't been married before. But for someone that's older and has been married once or twice or even three times or my dad five times, uh, then <laughs> then, the, then they're looking for different things, right? And most of that is companionship when they get to an older age, you know, because at the end of the day, Bill, I don't know if you know this, but looks fade. And what's left is, values, lifestyle, commonalities, those core values that we've been talking about, right? Nice. Uh, we had a previous guest on our podcast who is trying to reverse some of those things, but uh, it's going to oh, be yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, they, they work in longevity research. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Well, you never know what the future can bring, right? Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> what are some of the biggest kind of insights into human nature that you've learned since you started this job? Oh, great question. I would say that we are all way more resilient than we think we are. And I think one good example has been this pandemic that we've been through, right? Where we all, I think all of us all over the world had to make some kind of shift. We had to pivot in some way whether, you know, getting a different job or learning a new skill or transitioning from an outside uh, work experience to a Zoom experience like a lot of us have, right? So I think we are highly, highly resilient. And what is uh, really cool about this job is that I can bring that wisdom. I can open eyes. I can look at things from a different perspective and suggest things. So I think that, that that's the piece that I love the most. When I see growth, and not only in my clients, because you see growth in yourself too, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes when, uh, let's say I match someone and one person says, yes, I loved her or him and it was great. And the other person says, no way, I don't want to date them then I have to figure out, okay, how am I going to have this conversation with a person that's totally enamored with someone that doesn't want to see them again? So I get to grow in the process again, right? I get to grow in that process of, okay, how am I going to deliver this in a way that's compassionate and fair, yet realistic, right? So it's a, it's a growth component on my end too. Uh, but I think resilience is, is what I've seen the most. Interesting. As a follow-on to that, do you see your job more as being a therapist or more as being a data scientist? Ooh, wow. I would say a little of both Yeah. because <laughs> here's why. So on the data front, if I have a client, let's say they have 12 matches, right? And every single match that she liked, he said no. And every single match that the the candidate, like she said, the opposite, right? So that's data. If every single person that you wanted to go out with said no, and every single person that liked you, you said no to, what's going on here? We, we need to look at it and make a shift. And that's where I turn into, you know, the therapist, I would say coach, because I'm not qualified to be a therapist, sure. but I'm a sure. coach. So that's where my coach hat comes on and says, okay, 
Let's take a look. Why did you say no? And why did you, do you think those matches said no to you? And let's explore, right? Because a lot of time people get really down when people say no to them. I see it as a total blessing because I don't want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me to begin with. And there's someone better that's a better fit, right? And and we've all turned people down too. <laughs> so um, so I think in, to answer your question, a little bit of data just to see what's going on, and then a little, and then the rest more of a, a coach role to see okay, how, where can we go from here, how can we change things. If you want, and again, this is all if the person wants to. If the person doesn't want to change anything, they're gonna keep doing the same thing, right? And what's the definition of insanity, right? You expect some a different result. You keep doing the same things. Nothing's gonna change. So there has to be a shift, a tweak, a reframe, a rewrite of something so then you can see uh, a different outcome. Otherwise, it's going to continue. Yeah. Whether you're at Talkify or, you know, Hinge, Bumble, whatever, whatever apps, if a friend sets you up with someone, if you're not looking at yourself and trying to change some things or tweak things because the outcome is always the same, then nothing's going to change. Yeah, for sure. How have things changed as far as, you know, how people approach dating and relationships over the last 10 years or however long you've been doing this? Yeah. So there's a, there's a pivotal point from the pandemic to now. Oh yeah. Right. And then prior to that, a mixture of in-person, you know, traditional setting people up and then going on the apps, which, you know, there were novelty in the beginning and, and now it's, it's, you know, they're just apps. But with the pandemic, I have to say, and this was about three years ago or so, people have become so much more intentional about their time and how their time is spent that they want to create uh, stronger connections, more solidified connections, and they really care about how they spend their time because it's just so important, right? So I've seen people going doing uh, meetup groups or different Facebook groups where they can meet people that think alike, right? Potential single groups that way. And I think that's really changed also on the um, the way you, do, you date. Because traditionally you think, well, if you're not, date, you're not meeting in person, then it's not going to work out. Not necessarily. We are setting people up across the country. Someone in, let's say, California and someone in New York. And now we have the means to, okay, you know what? A Zoom date is totally doable. And that's what we were doing through the pandemic period. And people are in relationships now and they met through Zoom, right? So I think that has been a, a huge shift in the dating world to be able to do that. And then not only to be open to, you know, outside of your vicinity, whether it's the same you know, state or across the country, right? But also to be open to, to meet in, in other platforms. You never know where you're gonna meet your person. Right. And it could be on Zoom. Why not? What's the strangest way that somebody has met? Oh, I love this question. Um, so let me tell you. So I had a client who went out on a date and it wasn't a match. She didn't feel he was a match. They met at a bar. He left, you know, it was fine. You know, decent human being, just not a match. And she was waiting for an Uber and it was going to take 45 minutes to an hour. 
So she decides to go back into the bar and meets some random guy at the bar and they hit it off and they end up dating. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right? So when people say, am I going to find the love of my life? Someday, perhaps, yes. But it could be, this is what I say, it could be a Talkify, it could be in between Talkify or after Talkify. You just never know. And you keep growing, right? So I have clients that find their love through Talkify, of course, but then right after or in between because they're opening themselves up more. And that person just comes around and you just never know. It's not a perfect, perfect science, right? At least not yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if it was more data science-y, we could um, right? more yeah, algorithmically match everyone. We should just use the same algorithm they use for medical schools. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how do you think dating and relationship is going to change 50 years in the future? Or what are some of the trends? Yeah. So, I mean, from things that I'm hearing already in terms of AI and, you know, just technology and in virtual reality even, right? Uh, in movies like Her, remember that movie where mm -hmm. she falls in love with the computer? Who knows, right, on that front? But I think that we can be smart about it and use technology to our advantage without, and being careful, and I don't know how, what you think about this, but being careful that the human element is not removed because I think that's important because if you have AI designing someone for you, whether it, it's a virtual thing or not, and I don't know what's coming in the future, it could be really boring because you're going to create someone that's perfect for you. And that's not fun. I mean, at least not for me. I would want someone with a different opinion here and there and be able to discuss things and have different opinions and talk. I'm sure you could buy a, um, AI argues with you DLC for twenty nine. Oh, sure you could, right? Yeah. You can add that as an added uh, thing on it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's going to be definitely there's going to be a change, especially in, you know, 25, 50 years. And then um, the other component about Talkify is that we're realizing that things are changing. And so we are looking to bring um, about some really cool things. And one thing is kind of pivoting or maybe enhancing, I should say, from being um, a matchmaking company to being a relationship wellness company and offer coaching, which we're doing a little bit now, but in a, a larger scale. And then Therefore, uh, coaching for couples and, you know, healthy relationships and things like that. So we see that becoming uh, a trend and uh, we definitely want to scale into that, that space, right? Gotcha. What do you think about AI? I'm just curious. As it, as it relates to relationships? Yeah. It's interesting, I think, um, because uh, like you mentioned, right, I think there um, are a lot of people who can find a form of companionship with AIs. Um, I think that is that is one form of, um, you know, relating. It's a tool like any other, right? Depends on how you use it. Right. And potentially it's it uh, could be one way of connecting with people even, right? It's like, you know, you have your AI therapist coach and you kind of ask them to, to help you lower your standards or like vet other people uh, or even introduce you to other people, you know? My, yeah. Maybe we don't even go on dates. You know, my, my AI will date your AI and then they'll tell us if it went well and then we can go on our actual date. Live vicariously through your AIs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. You know, if I, if I kind of um, get it to learn my entire personality and lifestyle, you know, I can just send my AI out to like date all the other AIs and then I can match the person after. 
Right. <laughs> Something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, we never know, right, what's going to come. So, but it is exciting and to see what, how we can use technology and, and keep that human connection at some level too. I think that's important as well. Yeah. What are people's reactions when you tell them that you're a matchmaker? That's a good question. So they look at me like this, really? Because they don't understand what that is sometimes or what it means. So I explain to them what I do. And almost every single time they say, oh, I want to be on your database or I want to be a client or I have a friend that wants to be a client. And then they start telling me about everything. I hope they say that only if they're single though. Yes. My experience so far, it's been that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, they just want to know what really that means. And if I, uh, you know, if I have uh, an opening or if I want to give them advice or I think, or they start telling me about their love life and I just tell them what my experience has been, right? But I really love it. I really love it uh, because it's, uh, you know, it's not, to me, it's not really work. I mean, it is, but I just love to do it so much and I love talking to people. So before I became a matchmaker, I was already matchmaking for years. I set up one of my dad's friends, gosh, I don't know, 20 years ago, and they, they're, they're still married. You know, so it just, uh, it's just something that I love to do because I, I like to ask a lot of questions and I like to know about people's love lives. And I ask people all the time, you know, oh, so tell me a little bit about you. And it's just fun. Yeah, I can see that being a really rewarding job. I mean, even in my own life, when I organize events, the way I've explained it is like, I see myself as this orchestral conductor. Uh, and then I bring my friends together and they each come with their unique sound, their unique instrument. And then mm-hmm. by playing together, we can create this beautiful symphony that is better than any one of us individually could have made. Absolutely. We all have something to bring to the table that's different, right? Yeah. And we have all kinds of different matchmakers, you know, different demographics and styles and personalities, you know. So you can find, you know, whoever you want to be matched with from a matchmaker perspective. Because I think that's important too, because you want to feel safe and you want to feel connected and, uh, and then go from there, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any advice for someone who's looking to hire a matchmaker? How do they matchmake a matchmaker to be a match for their matchmaker? (laughs) Yeah. So if you are completely fed up and tired with the apps, my job is to be your human swiper, basically. And in terms of finding the right matchmaker, every single matchmaker that I work with is amazing. We are all very passionate about what we do. We are emotionally intelligent people. We perceive things, we use our intuition and our gut. So it's really a matter of personality, right? So let's say if you're in your 30s and you want someone in your 30s who's been matching with people in that demographic, great. If you're, if you're in your 30s, but you prefer somebody in their 40s or 50s as a matchmaker, so then you can get their wisdom and advice and just a different perspective, great, right? But every single matchmaker is amazing. I, I really, really say that sincerely. And it's just a matter of having that meeting and figuring out what would be a good connection. Uh, something that I do find sometimes on the spiritual front. Some people prefer someone that's faith-based, right? 
okay, great, that's a good match, right? Or maybe geographically, they really want someone in San Francisco because that's where they are and they prefer someone there. Perfect, we have plenty of people there, right? So it just depends on what the client says, but in terms of process and how much we care, you know, it's, it's very parallel across all matchmakers. Yeah, amazing. How come there aren't more male matchmakers? <laughs> That's a really good question, right? We do have some. How come there aren't? I'm not really sure. Uh, if I gave my opinion, I would say maybe because they don't feel comfortable matching or it's not something they want to do. Maybe they want to go on the dates, not set up the dates. Uh, oh, here's one. Maybe they don't want to talk to beautiful women, and so because we're not, we can't date our clients or you know anyone on our database. So maybe they just don't want to be in that position. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, what do you think? It does. I think feel like uh, you maybe as a if you're a man, uh, you might have less success kind of reaching out to single women and like asking them to be set up with other men, you know, because like, I guess from the woman's perspective, it's like, you're just another man reaching out to her. Right. Whereas if you're a woman, maybe it's like, there's, uh, I'm just speculating, but it feels like maybe there's like just more trust that there's no ulterior motive there. I see what you're saying. Got it. Got it. Perhaps uh, we do have a team of recruiters. So the matchmakers don't necessarily recruit, although we can. If oh, we okay. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, like I said, I, I come from corporate. I have a good network of people. Some are single, some are not, but some are single. So if I have a client that could potentially, you know, meet what they want, I will, I, I'll reach out to my network as well. But we do have a group of recruiters that will bring people in. Yeah. Um, and how do the recruiters find people? Or what, what does their process look like? So they do a lot of um, networking events and they invite singles. They have, uh, sometimes they do speed dating. Sometimes they'll have a speaker. Sometimes they'll have a celebrity. Like there's all different types of events that we do. And then if anyone- I guess this podcast is recruiting technically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, people sign up that way and they all have their own networks. They network a lot and, um, and they, they have connectivity with people that are, are interested in the single life. So how much is of dating is about thinking about the other person and like kind of, uh, kind of what you want and like, if you're a good match or not versus like, uh, becoming a better person yourself, like becoming more dateable yourself. I think that if you're in a continual path of growth and you are looking to convey yourself as someone resilient and accepting and curious, the other person's going to see that. So there's nothing wrong with focusing on yourself and having some expectations and some standards, of course, right? And when you go on a date, if you want to see that person again, I would suggest focusing on that person more than on yourself because you want to show that you're interested and that you're engaged. That's probably the number one issue in our matchmaking world where people are not asking enough questions about the other person or not engaged or on the phone, right? So while it's awesome to work on your mindset and 
yourself because I think that that's a, a beautiful practice that you want to do every day, whether it's being grateful or meditation or prayer, whatever it is that you like to do, because that'll keep you grounded and your energy will show that. So if you go into a day and, and I've switched, not myself, but I've helped switch people's mindsets on this front. So if you go into a date saying, oh, this person's not going to like me, I suck at this, 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 and this, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're going to portray that energy. But if you switch that around and you reframe it and you say, you know what, this is going to be an awesome experience. Whether, and you're not attached to the outcome, whether this is a connection or not, it really doesn't matter because you're there for the experience. You're there to grow. You're there to show that you're a genuine person. This is going to be great. And I'm going to grow from this experience. Then your energy is going to be completely different. I've seen it time and time again. And when you have that type of energy and that type of attitude and keeping that open mind, that that curiosity, the other person's going to sense that. And they're going to be more open. They're going to be more um, calm or easygoing and less anxious. Because, you know, going on a first date, a blind first date, there's a little bit of nervousness and a little bit of anxiety sometimes. But if you have a really good attitude and you smile, they say if you smile, that takes away like 80% of the anxiety. But if someone goes on a day and they're like this, "Mm -hmm, so tell me about you. Versus, hey. Yeah, it becomes like a job interview. Right? Yeah, I hear that too. Tell me about you, right? But it comes with practice. You can't, you can't be perfect. You know, if you don't know how to date, it takes practice, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I wonder what is it that causes people to lose that sense of curiosity? You know, this is something that I've noticed is that, um, for example, you know, if, if you're out hanging out with someone, like you would think it's like, oh, like, you know, I want to be present with this person. I want to kind of learn who they are, right? And then so, at least from my perspective, it's like, well, why spend time like interacting with someone if you're not going to engage with them. But I'm not sure if you have a perspective on like kind of why somebody, maybe they don't feel emotionally secure enough to open up or like kind of what would prevent someone from adopting this kind of a curious attitude. Yeah, that could be one reason. The other one is they just don't know how. They just don't know. Mm. They don't know how. No one showed them. No one explained how it works. They haven't seen anybody do it. And, you know, you see maybe movies, but that's kind of outlanded. Right. That's not yeah, real life. Sure. Well, in the movie, is sort of like the romance kind of happens to you from the outside. And then you kind of are just <laughs> right? along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. So they just don't know. So we offer, especially in our coaching arm of the company, uh, we offer a lot of tools to help you understand, okay, what are your core values in a relationship that are important to you? How do you interact with someone? What types of questions you ask? How do you ask? Because you don't want, you don't want to sound robotic and scripted. Like you said, at the job interview, that doesn't work either, right? So having a practice before a date, do jumping jacks, play some cool music. You know, music is... is Maybe do jumping jacks on the date. I don't know. Yeah, right before yeah. or on the date, <laughs> right? So all those things yeah. uh, change your uh, your attitude and your demeanor. It's, I mean, it's proven. Anyone can look that up. But they just don't know. They just don't know how. Or they think it has to be this way. And if I'm too nice or if I smile too much, they'll take advantage of me. But guess what? You're not going to find your person if you're not vulnerable and if you don't take risks. And you have to take that risk of maybe getting hurt. There's just no way around it. You know, it's just like a little kid 
I mean, I hate to make this analogy, but it's like a little kid trying learning how to walk. They're going to fall. They're going to fall. And then eventually they're not. <laughs> right. That's it's the same. You just have to keep going and being vulnerable and real because people can tell when you're not real. If you're scripted, if you're fake, if you're, you know, robotic, they can see that they can tell. So you just, you just learn to be real. And the only way to do it is to do, to actually go on dates, taking risks, being vulnerable, opening your heart up, you know, and just practicing that, right? Looking at people in the eye, uh, smiling, being interested, being engaged, get off your phone. I really love that. It's such a wholesome way to, to communicate that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To wrap up, can you tell us a bit more about um, Talkify and like the company and like just, you know, how it started and and, like the story of um, how it came to be? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if you heard the name Kenneth Shaw, but he he's the co-founder, actually. But he's the one that his name is more online than than his co-founder, founder. Uh, Her name is Jean Carroll. And they started in late 2012, 2013. And the story goes that he was kind of um, sick of the apps and he wanted a different platform to find love and, and find his wife, which I think he did find. And, and it's also a tech company because our, our tech behind the scenes is amazing. So that's another component of, of the company. And then uh, Kelly Ammerman is our CEO. Uh, so we're always looking at ways to uh, improve, enhance, and expand, I guess, into what we're looking to do, which is the relationship uh, wellness company. So recently, our, our website was added with a bunch of content hubs. We call it a content hub. So we have a lot of interviews. We have a lot of advice in different areas. Uh, and, and it's all our matchmakers and coaches that are there giving advice. I'm one of them. Uh, and then we're on social media as well, giving advice and, you know, inviting people in. And we love to take questions and talk about different things. Uh, but that's where the, the company is going. It's growing. And we're really excited about uh, the next phase. So there's going to be some cool things coming up. Awesome. Marcella, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Great to, to talk to you, Bill. And uh, until next time. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you want to join Talkify, see the show notes for a link or go to Talkify.com. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y.com. Shout out to Maxi Feeney for editing the show. Thank you for all of your hard work. Okay, I really love getting feedback from you. So tell me about what you enjoyed or any constructive comments you might have. Go to BillMay.net. That's B-I-L-L-M-E-I.net and send me an email. I read every message. And why haven't you reviewed the show yet? You can open up your podcast app and submit one. And I'll do a special shout out to you. This is super important to help other people find the show. Subscribe to the show at friendshipfuturism.com to subscribe to the email list to get access to events, curated writing, and join the community. Okay, looking forward to your reviews and comments. See you next time.